When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're all right, all right. Welcome in, welcome in. It is time for the Georgia Show, and we are going to be chopping some wood this evening. Uh, every Wednesday here on Dogs HQ's YouTube channel, we're going to start a little something called Chopping Wood, and we'll explain that a little bit later. But first, let's get right into it, Jake Rowe. What's new? Man, you returned your triumphant return to Buttsmere to face – Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs, how were you welcomed back after your brief hiatus? Man, Kirby didn't even notice, dude. I was kind of broken up about that. I think he did notice, Jake, because you asked a question yesterday, and I think it was subtle, but I think he I think he he lifted his hat up when he answered a question, and I think it was a subtle little tip of the cap oh, to you. God. My, yeah, my mic just attacked me. Uh, no, uh, I, I didn't sense that at all. Uh, in fact, I, and I'll get to it in Chopping Wood later. Uh, kind of uh, crabby Kirby. Um, and it's a good thing, by the way. Uh, but no, I mean, I, it was it was cool, man. It was cool just to see all the guys. I've, I've become really good friends with a lot of guys on the beat uh, over the years. Uh, Mark Weiser, Anthony Dasher, Seth Emerson. Um, you know, it's only the second time I've seen Palmer in person since the national championship game. The first time was that's to, wild, huh? Was to go see Palmer and be like, Hey, dude, uh, uh, I need some help, uh, to figure out how to post stories, uh, here at Dogs HQ. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Connor Riley, Chip Towers. I mean, you name it. I mean, I, we, we've got a pretty tight knit group, I feel like, and, uh, yeah. we've always kind of gotten along. We eat out together on the road. We fish together on the road, stuff like that. Whenever we're at a place for a while, and it was it was really fun to uh, to get back in and spend some time with those guys. Uh, Jack, our fearless intern, says Kirby definitely seemed to be in a better mood once he saw Jake there. Um, yeah, man, I think it's interesting. I think people, you know, they see so many of these sites that compete against one another, and you know, I think they assume that it might be edgy at times and all that. But you know, for the most part there are relationships there for the guys that do this job year in and year out. And for many, many, many years. And look, you can't be frosty towards guys you're sitting next to in that little media room that Georgia's players, uh, by the way, have evacuated for their $80 million upgrade. So, right. uh, so yeah, it, it was good. I'm, I'm glad you made it back. I've said for years that the only guy that covers anything regarding Georgia that I just don't have any use for is Jake Roos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, care for i don't that like guy sucks that guy. that guy sucks um well hey man it's sanford week uh chris hatcher and the sanford bulldogs coming back to athens between the hedges what i came back for this this week right mm-hmm. here is why i came back yeah i mean look if kirby mentions you at sec media days and granted he was asked about him probably from some beat writer from a very small market in alabama but Kirby gave a pretty substantial answer about Chris Hatcher and the Sanford Bulldogs. It's an important program to him. It's an important coach to him. I wrote about it over at Dogs HQ this week. Uh, you've probably read the story before. I made fun of myself. It, it's kind of picking up steam as the David Green, David Pollock Little League 
story that you can turn into a drinking game or the Jake from little league world series deal. If you follow Georgia closely, you probably already know that Chris Hatcher gave Kirby a start down at Valdosta state. They built their lockers together. Will Muschamp gave him the interview where Kirby drew too many guys on the defensive scheme board. You know this by now, but it's still a pretty cool story. And uh, one of those things where we kind of get to reveal a little bit about Kirby as a person and people eat that up. Oh, I didn't know if you had a video clip. Sorry, Wes. No, 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 yeah. I, I I do not. I do not. I should have told you that. You know, little known fact, Wes, I was actually down there at Valdosta State at that time. Um, yeah, I had a go Blazers. I spent one semester at Valdosta State, wrecked my car. Mom and dad made me come back home and do another semester at South Georgia College before transferring to Georgia after my freshman year. Okay. Uh, but I remember, you know, I remember having classes with some guys, and I would played high school ball with a kid named Tyrone Jordan who had played defensive end for us at Atkinson County and was recruited by Georgia to play outside linebacker uh, in a 4-3 in a scheme, but they kind of uh, didn't end up sending him a letter of intent. He went to Valdosta State, played wide receiver, was a 1,000-yard player, is a really good player, 6-3, uh, six, six, 210. But I remember Tyrone telling me kind of like, you know, hey, uh, you know, this Kirby Smart Cat's got, got, his, you know, got his act together. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that, and, and I believe Kirby went from DB's coach to defensive coordinator. Um, the year before that I was there, he was uh, DB's coach and then he went to defensive coordinator the next year, but he did a, he did a really good job apparently and kind of got, uh, kind of got some notoriety there kind of, Oh, notoriety is a bad word. Uh, not the right word, but kind of figured some things out as a defensive coordinator and, and, you know, learned some stuff. And then, you know, I, I want to say he, he went on to Florida state and did some stuff there, but, that time working for Chris Hatcher, I think, you know, Hatcher had had done so much at that point, had had such a big influence, and had been influenced by some other really good coaches like Hal Mummy, Mike Leach. Um, you know, one of the things I considered asking Kirby this week, but I'll probably wait until Mississippi State week to ask him, is what can they get from this game that might be able to allow them to learn a little bit more about playing Mississippi State. Um, you know, down the road. And I don't think this week's the right week to ask that, seeing as how Kirby, uh, you know, seems to, you know, he's trying to uphold that standard. He's trying to respect the opponent. He's trying to do all of those things. But on top of it all, I, I think that that it, it comes down to this is a game that might teach them a little bit down the road to, to go play in Starkville. And I think that's an important point. Um there as well Kirby hit on a lot of different things this week and and I thought it was pretty important all the different things he hit on right um the injuries you know Nylon Green's dealing with something um you know he talked about yesterday a couple of those young wideouts are coming on here that Wes has got us a a, a picture of baby face Kirby one of my here. buddies went uh Timmy Quinones yeah, Dude, those khakis are, are 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 two sizes too big, bro. They got the pleats. Look how much yeah. he hates putting the loafers up on that bench. He, he <laughs> he's ready to fight that photographer. Uh, shout out to Timmy Quinones, guy I played high school football with, went to Valdosta State. Uh, sent that <laughs> sent that Valdosta State program to me this week. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it's salty Kirby week, spicy Kirby, whatever you want to call it. Um, what 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 do you think is the deal here? Jake, is it is it dialing it up because it's Samford, or do you really think that practice is uh, kind of slowing down this week? 
Well, you know, Kirby led off with that whole, I think we had our best practice, one of our best practices on Monday. We had our worst practice on Tuesday. He added some context to that this morning on 92.9 uh, when he when he did the steakhouse with uh, State Shapiro and Rusty Mansell. Um, he brought up the fact that they've a lot of their practices have been so good that he felt like you didn't have to be just a god awful practice for it to be the worst practice. So I thought it was pretty interesting that he did that. But listen, we got an article up right now, and again, I'm going to talk about it more in our segment later on that we're going to do when we chop some wood. Um, but you know, listen, Wes, I think this is just what you got to do as a head coach. It's just just the mind games you've got to play. You got a lot of different personalities you're trying to get to come together and to stay serious and to stay focused. And listen, they just, Wes, they just heard all offseason about how if they didn't do this and how they didn't do that, that Oregon was just going to kick their ass. Okay. That's what they heard. And then, man, they rolled right over Oregon. And uh, when that happens, you almost have to double down as a head football coach. Like, you almost have to just kind of be like, all right, there's only one way to go from here, and we just got to go harder. And I think that's kind of what we ran into there. And I'm not going to lie, Wes, every time you put me on that single screen, I'm like, God, Wes has dropped out. <laughs> no, I'm still – I put rat poison up there. And I'm I still here. Like, I'm still here. I to keep talking. I, last, I was panicking last time. I ain't going to lie. Uh, no, it does It does get a little nerve-wracking when you're the only one on the stage. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more from these guys later on in the show. I had Taylor Zarzer and Matt Stinchcomb on a call this morning. They're, uh, they're part of the crew, also including Alyssa Lang on the SEC network that'll call the game. Uh, I want you to listen to what Taylor Zarzer said, and I think it is really hitting the nail on the head externally. That's what Kirby worries about so much, about why you really have to get – between the ears of your players this week after that beatdown. Sounds a little Alabama-ish, doesn't it? That, you know, after you win a national championship, Mm -hmm. you try to continue to play at the same standard. It's very challenging to keep your guys fresh and driven and motivated every single day. If the standard this season is winning a national championship, you have to have that same level of hunger and you have to constantly challenge your guys to play at that same level. And that's very difficult to do, but... What we saw the first game of the season reminds you of the way Alabama typically comes out in one of those neutral site games. And I don't think there's any question that Georgia is at the beginning of a dynasty here, that you're going to see this team compete for national championships over and over again for for years to come. All right, so he used the D word there. And look, Georgia's won one national championship. And you said it last show that – you were wondering if Georgia could repeat before they played Oregon, and now you think it's way more realistic. I do too. But look, when you hear people like that, guys that are going to be calling the game, guys like Zarzer and Stinch that are going to be interviewing Kirby in a couple days, I can see why Kirby might bristle a little bit, but that that's why he is so unique in this job. The, the average guy is going to be like, all right, yeah, we beat Oregon. We won the natty. Let's, let's keep cruising. But Kirby is cut from the cloth and learned from the cloth that you got to ratchet it up a little bit this week. Yeah, and, and listen, even, even Alabama, right, even Alabama has struggled with it. I mean, they've done it. I'm not going to sit here and say they haven't. They built the dynasty. They've, re, they, they've, they've done the repeat thing. 
they've also struggled to repeat in seasons where they've had talented enough teams or maybe even plenty talented enough teams. They've only done it one time. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, man. Yeah, I mean, remember when USC tried to go for three in a row? And yeah, that was ridiculous. Stop to it. You know, I mean, it would have really been two and a half in a row because of Conats and, and whatever in 2003. But, you know, that, that it's just hard. It's so hard. Um, but, you know, I, I got a lot of respect for Taylor Zarzer. I listen to Taylor all the time on the golf channel, uh, XM Golf Channel. I mean, I, he's very reasonable. He's one of those guys that, that um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like Ryan Rosillo or somebody like that. Like they, their shtick is being reasonable. Yeah. They have they have found kind of this way of going about things that that is they in the midst of all the hot takiness they stand out by being reasonable and I like it about them I love it about them um, but but I will say this you know when when you're about to call a team's game and you know you're seeing some stuff I I, I still think Taylor and some others are just getting the card ahead of the horse and I'm not saying that Georgia fans shouldn't enjoy it or feel great about the program. A dynasty is possible, okay? It's possible. And that's all you can ever really ask for because Alabama doesn't get there without a break or two, uh, without a ball maybe getting batted up in the air uh, and and maybe a receiver catching it when he probably should have let it fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. You know? Stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that stuff has to happen. And is that going to happen for you? We don't know. So, uh, but I, But it's possible now. And that's all Georgia fans could have ever asked for. Uh, but I still think we're still getting the card a little bit ahead of the horse on the whole dynasty talk thing, uh, despite the fact that I do think a repeat is much more reasonable than I thought it was going to be on September the 2nd. Well, look at how much the sport is changing. I mean, it, it really is apples to oranges. If you want to look, you know, potentially 10 years from now, even five years from now, how different the sport's going to be. Does the added playoff, uh, does playoff expansion help or hurt Georgia? You know, Kirby talked about that this week, too. And I, I mentioned that in my uh, what Kirby said and what he meant uh, column on Monday. Georgia plans to be in the playoff, whether it's four teams, six teams, eight teams or 12 teams. And they don't want to leave too much doubt about it, whether they have to go through Alabama or not. Um, so we'll see about that. But, yeah, you would imagine that building that dynasty is harder to do. And every look. What are people hungry for in this sport? They're hungry for another team that isn't Alabama to beat Alabama. And if that means that Georgia's a dynasty, so be it. If that means that Clemson's a dynasty a couple years ago, there's talk about that too, so be it. Um, But we'll see. I certainly don't expect it. Do I think that Georgia will only win one? I think that would surprise me 10 years from now if that was the case. But a full-on dynasty, I'm with you. Uh, one thing that the guys also mentioned, too, um, that is exciting to look ahead to if you're going to the game, it has been 41 and however many years since Georgia entered Sanford Stadium to play a game as defending national champions. They did it in 1981, and they beat Tennessee 44 to nothing, which, you know, obviously way less competitive than when Herschel ran through Bill Bates. But even though it's Sanford, even though it's, Supposed to be a little rainy on Saturday. I got to imagine the Dogs fans are going to be jacked to see those red helmets back between the hedges again as defending national champions. Did you uh, did you get to go to Sanford Stadium for? Uh, I did for, for the for the Saturday? parade. Yeah, it was awesome. 
Um, I tell you what, man, that was one of the coolest experiences. And I mean, listen, it would have probably been a really cool experience anywhere I went, but you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a UGA alum. I, I've spent a lot of time, you know, since 1995 in that stadium on that campus. So it was a little bit more special, uh, for me there. Uh, but man, that was the atmosphere there. It was cold. God, it was cold, bro. Like, I, I think I left early. I think, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, once it was over, I was out because mm-hmm. I couldn't feel my toes or my hands. Uh, but man, that was, that was really cool. And I think there's a chance with the energy coming off that Oregon win, I think the, the, the intensity, you know, will be a little bit more uh, for, for a game day. Um, you know, I know that that national championship was fresh, but piling those fans in there and getting to be a part of it now, will, will it be empty? You know, or will there be a lot of empty seats come, you know, the first half and the end of the you know, middle of the third quarter? Absolutely. Probably so. But, but um, the crazy thing is, is, you know, the schedule was set ahead of time. I get that. But dang, man, you don't get to play an SEC home game until October. I know. To win in the national. And then it's Conference. Auburn. And that, and how weird does that still feel? Yeah. That, that still just doesn't feel right to me. It, it is a natural. Right. Yeah. They, they really do get like, I think they get a little bit of not even special treatment. I'm just going to call it sympathetic treatment from the SEC. Okay, Auburn, you have to play Georgia and Alabama back to back. We'll move you up in the schedule. Okay, Auburn, uh, you you already have to play Georgia when Missouri and Texas A&M come to the conference. We'll give you back-to-back home games, and then that helps you get the prayer at Jordan-Hare. So many weird things about Georgia and Auburn uh, in this rivalry. And i tell you what, man. I mean, you know, I don't want to get off on this crazy tangent with Auburn, but it seems like they sold their soul to the devil for that uh, prayer at Jordan-Hare because, oh, boy. For Athens, Cam Newton. Athens has been a house of horrors since 2005 yeah i think blackout game in 07 it has just been you know blood blood and guts all over the field yeah mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Who could have imagined that, man? Um, all right, let's get back to this week. I know it's Sanford week, but we got to stay locked in. we got to stay locked in. We hey, had we're a- talking about a team in Alabama, a small team in Alabama. You asked Kirby about the wide receiver depth. And I think it's an important thing to bring up because, yes, you got Lab McConkey, you got A.D. Mitchell, you got Kiaris. Um, but what's going on behind that? We saw how important depth could be to Georgia's wide receiver room last season. Here's a, here's the question. I would love to hear more because you, you wrote a breakout on it this week. But let's dive into what Kirby had to say about I'm it. I'm riding them really hard because I have high expectations for them and they can help us. You know, they, they, they each have really good uh, attributes, and they both really want to help our team. They're great young men. I mean, I'm talking about, like, they do everything right off the field. They do what they're supposed to do. They work really hard. Dylan has gotten a lot of reps and should be able to help us. Uh, it's probably further along than those two, only because he has not been injured. But CJ, 
You know, he, he hit some high numbers on GPS recently. He's still, we're trying to bring him back slowly because he's had some uh, some knee issues and then Denialen has had a couple good practices. So uh, we need to bring those guys along to get the depth we need to support our offense. He's talking about CJ Smith, Dylan Bell, and Denialen Morissette. Uh, why were you curious about that, and what did you think about Kirby's answer? Um, I was curious, Wes, because George is not a, a – you know, we, we look at this 11 personnel, three wide receiver game now, right? We, you know, everybody everybody does their depth charts. They got a slot receiver and a Z receiver and an X receiver. George is not a – George is not 11 personnel team. George is a two tight end team. George is uh, – and listen, those, those guys are going to give them receiver function. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Oscar Delp, you know, and, and George is going to line up at three receivers sometimes. But uh, I, I wanted to know because, you know, you look at those snap counts from Saturday. Palmer Toms did a great job getting them up there for us, and he's going to be with us a little later on here in the show. Uh, it was, it was I believe, Lab McConkie and A.D. Mitchell were number one and number two. I can't remember in which order. Uh, Marcus Rosamy Jack Saint would have been number three. Now, I would have thought it would have been Kiaris, but Rosamy Jack Saint was was one of the three receivers over twenty uh, snaps in the game because he's an outside guy. The, he doesn't give way to a tight end. Kiaris doesn't have to, but he's still primarily a slot. Um, Dominic Blaylock kind of has that same role there. So those two combined, I want to say, for less snaps. Than, than Marcus Rosemary Jackson. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's very, they were both in the neighborhood. And so I wanted to know, all right, these other two cats, and the reason I didn't ask about Cole Spear is because I think Cole Spear might be more in that Kiaris Jackson, uh, um, you know, Dominic Blaylock mold, uh, maybe a little bit bigger, but kind of in that same mold. So I asked about Morissette, I asked about CJ Smith, I asked about Dylan Bell, because those are outside guys who have a better chance of being on the field when the tight ends are on the field. And not only that, Specifically, C.J. Smith with with that legitimate track speed, with that Arian Smith type speed, brings a different element to it. And I really wanted to just know where they were at because we'd heard a lot about Dylan Bell, but not about those guys. And Kirby Smart revealed probably the biggest reason why Denial Morris it was hurt most of uh, most of preseason camp. C.J. Smith was hurt all of preseason camp, and now those guys are healthy and uh, and trying to make a move. We're about to go 14 personnel, bring in Palmer Toms and Jake Roos. But before we do, <laughs> one other thing that stood out to me about that press conference on Tuesday was Kirby responding to a question about how he handles quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Everyone and their mama was concerned about Georgia not bringing anybody in the transfer portal this season. And I was interested in that. I'm interested anytime Kirby says anything about the transfer portal – because they didn't feel like they had to do it. But how do you keep guys out of it, especially at the quarterback position? I thought this was pretty interesting. Kirby, obviously, a lot of quarterbacks go in the transfer portal these days. How, how hard is it to keep talented guys like Carson Brock around when you know, so many guys want to go right away? I don't think it's hard. I mean, I think you be very fair and honest. And uh, they have to make decisions based on what's best for them and what's best for the program, what's best for the team. I, I'm here to protect the University of Georgia. My job is to develop those young men. That's what we promised them to do. And Coach Munkin, our staff, I mean, there's not a lot of places you can go that you can play for a offensive coordinator that coach quarterbacks in the NFL, he coach receivers in the NFL. I mean, every kid wants to go to the NFL. So they, I've never had a scout come ask me how many 
plays or how many reps he got as freshman, sophomore, junior year. They, they, they want to know what the finished product is. So the end game is the goal. And if guys want to stay and be a part of that and be part of something special, then great. Wes, yep. I'm hearing that the uh, that the live professional golf league, professional football league, is trying to take some of these guys out of the draft. So Kirby mm -hmm. may be wrong on all these guys wanting to play in the NFL. Yeah, you never know. You never know who's going to join live next. You know, I I don't I don't know. Any, I really don't have anything else to add other than when Kirby has a chance to recruit <laughs> at a press conference, he's going to do it. And I think it says a lot about the package and the sales pitch that Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift have accepted and risen to the occasion for okay the mailman is uh not uh, as big as me he can't throw the ball as hard and as far as me but he's still starting in front of me why am i going to stick around well it's because todd munkin has shown that he can develop guys and get them into the league and whether or not that plays out for them we'll see but i thought it was interesting in an era when it's really hard on hard to hold on to quarterbacks and hold on to quarterback depth it's a lot like the NFL. There aren't a lot of good backups in college football. Georgia's got some pretty good ones. All right, guys, uh, Palmer, Jake, welcome in, fellas. Uh, both of you guys have been chopping some wood this week, and I think Palmer uh, tipped his hand to me uh, with the thing he wants to talk about and chopping wood tonight. And this is our new segment we're going to start on the show. Every Wednesday night, we've heard all we can hear from the players, from Kirby Smart. What's the one thing – that stands out to us the most. We have a tight minute to talk about that topic, that player, that person. It doesn't even have to be about Georgia. It can be about anything in the SEC or in college football. Palmer, we'll start with you, man. What are you chopping? What about tonight? Muted mics is what he's chopping. What about Palmer's chopped his mic cord? Papa Palmer. <laughs> can you hear me now? Papa we got Palmer. you, bro. <laughs> what I was saying was that Kirby quote and uh, clip there was a perfect intro into what I'm chopping. Wood I know about. it was. That's why I played it. So I am chopping wood about Georgia's offense and its identity. Todd Munkin uh, getting guys the ball out in space. Talked to Ad Mitchell and uh, Kenny Ma Kendall Milton, not Kenny McIntosh, uh, today tonight, and they both described Georgia's offensive identity. Uh, you know, AD had a lot of great things to say about it. I asked him specifically, you know, hey, we all saw what the uh, what the offense looked like on Saturday. What do you think the potential to be could be? He looks up, says it's up there. You know, says that you know, I asked him what the ceiling could be. He looks high up. It says it's it's pretty high. So excited to see what this offense looks like as it keeps moving forward. I'm gonna have a piece coming out tomorrow morning on that offensive potential. Kirby talking about recruiting, uh, you know, guys in press conferences, stuff like that. Uh, but I'm chopping wood about Georgia's offense. Palmer, don't go anywhere. I got one more thing I want to talk to you about on the other end of chopping wood here. Jake Roos up in Dahlonega, Georgia. Where are you? How what? dare you? I'm in McKaysville, Georgia. Oh, Nim's fighting, fighting words <laughs> up in McKaysville. Don't you live in Tennessee? Come on, man. I'm not from Lumpkin County. Come, don't you live in Tennessee? Um, first off, I want to say hey to Jake Rowe. This is the hey. first podcast we've gotten to be on together, so that's exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, did you did you hear me talking that stuff about you earlier? I, 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 a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Chasing ink again, I see. Um, but uh, yeah, out here, uh, out here on the uh, the Georgia show this evening, and uh, for me, I'm chopping wood 
about something totally unrelated to Georgia. And, and to me, it's this Kentucky-Florida matchup. Uh, I, I really want to know, you know, is this the new Florida? Uh, if, if, this, if Billy Napier pulls this one off this week, that's a big signal over the bow as to uh, how the Gators have responded to the new hire over there. It's a big one for Mark Stoops, too. Uh, you know, I think everybody's got high expectations around that Kentucky program. Will Levis, uh, you know, is this going to be the Kentucky that we've seen the last couple of years? Or are they going to be susceptible to uh, an atmosphere there in the swamp that's uh, always intimidating no matter who you are? So Florida coming off of a big one, I think that that's going to be a, a must-watch game. Probably the one I've got circled highest to top my list this weekend. Uh, really, really intrigued by both of those programs, especially Florida. Four and a half points. Uh, who's favorite in that? Florida. Florida. Yeah. How about it? All right. Uh, Glenn Hartley. We got to get Glenn Hartley some sort of title belt or trophy or something. Glenn oh, is our Italian. comment <laughs> champion, show in and show out, uh, observing here a student. Glenn Hartley, you got some cufflinks on the way. I don't even know where you live, but I've it's got some the Jake show. Glenn says, "All right, let's go to the other Jake then. What you chopping? What about? Yeah, man. Listen, um, I asked Kirby two questions on my first day back." At a press conference, he answered half of one. Uh, he's pissy, man. He's in a mood, and I like it. You know, like th there was early on when, when in 2016, when Georgia was, you know, getting backhanded and forehanded and uppercut, um, you know, by Ole Miss and barely beating Mizzou and uh, just struggling, right? And Kirby was crabby then too, and that kind of ticks you off a little bit because it's kind of like, all right, you know. I'm covering a bad team. You're coaching one. We can all get along. But he's coaching a really good one, and I'm covering a really good one. And I, I kind of like the way he has settled into that role of, uh, of, of just kind of being really in, in, incredibly tough to please. And obviously you get that from a guy like Nick Saban. Um, you know, I know he, Coach K – as a big influence there because, you know, you when they're doing well, you you coach them harder and you're more critical. And when they're struggling, you love them up a little bit more. Uh, but but I, I'm chopping wood about this Kirby demeanor. I like it, and I think it's what Georgia needs right now. Jake likes it. He loves it. You want some more of it. Uh, all right, I'm chopping wood about Stetson Bennett. I know everybody else is this week, but Jake Rowe, you laughed at us at the end of the show uh, over the weekend when we said – can Stetson Bennett win the Heisman? And lo and behold, he shows up on the Heisman odds this week at plus 1,600, and he picks up the NIL deal of the year so far, as far as I'm concerned, with AARP endorsing this man. He's going to be 25 years old in October, and he has a tremendously sharp, self-deprecating sense of humor. I love it. I think it is a perfect fit for him because obviously he's old. You get the joke, but he's also he, he's willing to make fun of himself. And that is one of the most endearing traits you can have, especially when everyone else doubts you. I, I love it. I love everything about it. You hate when you see the AARP mail in your mailbox and Georgia's opponents hate when they see Stetson Bennett deliver too. It's perfect. I'm chopping what about Stetson Bennett? And someone asked us on the board today before we went on, let me try to find the comment here. How much do we expect Stetson Bennett to play? That's from Kang the Closer on our premium message board. Uh, do you think Kirby will 
let him put up numbers like he did against UAB. I don't know about you guys, but that circumstance was a little bit different last year. He was coming in for an injured JT Daniels. Now he's the guy, so I don't necessarily expect Stetson to be out there too long. He better hurry. He better he better hurry because yeah, I, he's got to get it done quick. I don't see any reason to do it. I mean, that's the thing for me is, you know, uh, you need to be cultivating for next year. This is a good opportunity to do it. Stetson showed you last week what he can do in a big game. I, I don't see any reason to uh, risk any kind of injury or anything of that nature. Yep. Quarter, quarter, quarter and a half, maybe two. But in, in two quarters, you know, you seal club them pretty good. And, and 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 two quarters is all it took for him to get the five touchdowns last year. He'll have a lip of skull in by the by the it's, middle. Uh, he's a, the he's middle a of the grizzly man. It, he's I thought he was a Copenhagen man. guy. <laughs> uh, something, These are the important questions him. we need to ask. It's something I don't to like ask him. much anymore now. Um, Palmer, I mentioned I want to ask you one more thing. We got a comment from guess who? Glenn Hartley, who told us he's from Vidalia, Georgia. Uh, brings up Where the, the Chaz, are grown. Chaz Chambly. Chaz Chambliss is jacked. Chambly. Um, you wrote about Chaz today or yesterday, Palmer. I can't remember. You guys are putting out so many great articles these days. What did you learn about Chaz Chambliss this week? Yeah, first of all, like Jake said, put, being put on the solo screen is a little bit intimidating. Uh, yeah. But uh, you got to show off that on three ball <laughs> cap you got back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the diploma, too. Um, Got to prove that I graduated. Um, you know, hey, what I learned about Chaz this week is, is you know, that he is an incredibly hard worker. Um, we, get, we got to speak with him Tuesday night, um, first time that he has spoken to the media at Georgia. And the, the thing that we heard, the constant message from uh, – he was the third of three people that we talked to. We talked to Kirby. We talked to Kamari Lasseter. And then we talked to Chaz, and, and both Kirby and Kamari mentioned how much Chaz is, is out there working, pushing other people to be better. Uh, Kirby said that he's probably a little bit upset that he had to do media because he couldn't stay af out after practice. Um, but Kirby described, you know, being up in his office and seeing uh, Chaz and, and his best friend, Brock, uh, Brock Bowers, out there working together at, all last season. I think that that's really showing up for Chaz so far this year. Um, he had a strong camp, lo looked great in, from what we saw. Uh, and, and I really think that he's going to give Georgia uh, at, at a position where depth is a little bit of a concern um, because you've got two proven guys and then, you know, some question marks after that. Some young, talented players in, in like Marvin Jones Jr. and, and uh, you know, Darius Smith at that position. Um, you know, Chaz and is certainly capable of giving Georgia some quality reps there. Saw him in some with the first team on Saturday. I think he'll get a lot of reps this Saturday. Uh, Chaz Chambliss, hard worker, uh, and, and that is making himself better, and it's making his teammates better too. Well, you, bring, you, you bring up Darius Smith, man. I just I can feel it in my plums when you do it. I mean, he's just, uh, that kid, that kid is unbelievable, that man. I listen, I, I, I Bill Shanks, fresh, sent, ready for the market. <laughs> Bill Bill Shanks sent me a picture of Darius Smith uh, on the sideline the other night, and uh, man, <laughs> he looks he looks good. I, I think his, that, that kid, that I think that kid's, a, that kid's a future star. I, his, I I'm willing his, to take on that. 
his arms go past his knees. It's insane. They, they, absolutely, they legitimately do. We use they, that they do. Listen, but I'll say this about Chaz Chambliss, man. I thought Kirby was going to drop the old uh, – he quit school because they had recess. You know, like he was – he was, uh, he was, you know, he was talking some stuff about Chaz Chambliss. But hey, I was, I'll tell you what I learned about Chaz Chambliss. Chaz Chambliss thinks was asked about Brock Bowers, and for some reason he thinks that Napa <laughs> is the country, <laughs> country in California. So uh, I found that very interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know what Brock Bowers is telling these guys that have never been to Napa. Um, and listen, it's beautiful country, but it ain't it ain't the country. What's the difference? Uh, What's the country. difference between fo- foie gras and potted meat, man? Come on, ain't nothing. <laughs> uh, Chaz going up against a very good Georgia offensive line. I promised you a little bit of sound from our guy Matt Stinchcomb, who was great to stop by this morning. Someone was talking about the offensive line on our board today as well, guys, and one wondering about the rotation that Georgia's doing. Here's what Stinch had to say about it before we pack up for the night. What do you think about Georgia's offensive line against Oregon Stinch? Um, I thought they played well. They had some middle errors that they need to clean up. Um, you know, there's a, some free hats, some unblocked defenders that are a concern. Um, but their ability to get young guys in early, I want to say Warren McClendon by the third series had already rotated out. Um, that's an impressive development to be able to pull off. Uh, you know, Marius Mims gets in there. Next thing you know, McClendon's out in there at left tackle, and they're able to roll some guys through. Um, guard's still a question mark, and I think that's an area that they can uh, still improve. It looks like the rotation at tackle makes sense. The center makes sense. Uh, but it's the guards where we might see some new faces in different places. Um, but I thought overall, considering – that there was some shuffling uh, and some some new spots other than really Van Pram and uh, and McClendon in there. That I thought they played well, and there's definitely uh, opportunity for improvement. If Stinch says it about the O line, I believe it. He's a pretty smart dude. Uh, can't wait to hear his crew call this game 4 p.m. on the SEC Network, guys. Any final thoughts before we pack it up and get ready for this home stretch? Before the dogs take on the dogs. Dogs 55, Samford, also the Bulldogs, I'm pretty sure, 14. I'm excited to see the young guys, man. I, I think that there's this is a, a really special young class that they brought in last year on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, look forward to seeing those guys get some reps on Saturday. Got a score? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I picked it like 56-7 or something like that. I mean, it's yeah. – you know, I, I think in my season prediction, I, the, you know, I wrote uh, re- reviews for most of them. And I think on this one, I just wrote next. <laughs> yeah, I, I, going off of what Jake said there, I do think that we're going to get to see some of those younger guys that didn't get in the game. Uh, you know, me and Connor Riley have been talking this week, set, trying to set an over under on how many guys get in the game. Georgia played 66 on offense and defense uh, last week. Any guesses from y'all on, on how many get in the game this week? Because I, I think it's going to be more than that. Um, you know, 66 was the number, not including special teams, specialists. Um, I'll let y'all think on that for a second. But, uh, you know, looking at that young defensive side of the ball, I think that we're going to get to see some of those young cornerbacks. Um, like Jake mentioned earlier, Nylon Green, maybe dealing with a little bit of an injury, uh, could mean more Jaheim Singletary and, and Julian Humphrey. 
uh, more opportunities for those guys. Maybe a Marcus Washington Jr. getting in the game. Um, Ja'Cory Thomas is somebody at safety that didn't get any reps. Uh, excited to see those guys. Excited to see them get those those other ones that did get in the game, give them more opportunities. And, and you know, hey, we talk about Darius Smith. Maybe maybe he can get in the game and, and get a, a pass rush uh, opportunity there, get to develop his talents there. And speaking of rotating, speaking of rotating the offensive line, I, I, I'm excited to see Ernest Green get some strong playing time, man. I think that that's a kid that everything I've heard has been positive. He was the centerpiece of Georgia's uh, offensive line class last year. I think he's the gym for sure. And um, he's a kid that I, I think uh, will get a lot of playing time this week. I'm really intrigued to see him, where they slot him in, how they feel about where he's uh, his future lies. Um, but, you know, the, another kid, sky's the limit. I, we've talked a lot about these defensive guys. Obviously, Malachi, Michael, uh, you know, Marvin Jones, Dalen Everett, uh, Jaheim Singletary, those five-star guys on defense. Um, but uh, to me, Ernest Green is a guy that I, I'm really, really intrigued to see a lot of. Seven different, seven different offensive line groupings in nine drives for Georgia last week. As as we bring up that rotation, Dude, I wrote a little man, bit about that. That's just dumb. It's like tinkering. It's practicing. It's not disrespect for Oregon. It's not, you know, Kirby Smart saying we have better guys than Oregon did, and people wanted to make something out of that. It's just true. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the truth at this point. Uh, it might be something where you're looking at a participation count that's close to the amount of points that Georgia puts up. I'm going to say, though, not not quite that much. I'm going to say Georgia 52, Samford nothing, as Kirby demonstrated. It's nothing personal against Dan Lanning. It's not going to be anything personal against his old mentor, Chris Hatcher. As we bring the show full circle, it's just business, and you got to get these guys ready, and you got to get them ready to put up a lot of points because Tennessee's going to try to do it. So is Mississippi State and everybody else this year, and I think Kirby and Munkin are, are playing a different ball game this season. That's all I got, fellas. I appreciate y'all hopping in. Uh, It's middle of the week. It's a game week. Let's strap it up. If you're at Sanford Stadium this weekend, enjoy it. Your defending national champions are back. And let us know how you're chopping wood. Send us your tailgate picks or invite us even better. Thanks, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.